We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me today, my good friend, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Woo! A little draft duels action. We got a fun one for you today. We are going to be comparing Johnny Davis, Benedict Matherin, two guys that are expected to be right around the top 10 this year. So things are heating up with uh, the draft lottery right around the corner. Absolutely. And if you guys listened to our episode that we did on Monday, we uh, revealed our top 10 for our Pacer-centric big board. If you were not able to check that one out, I encourage you guys to go do that because you'll get a better idea of where we like these players for the Pacers. But um, I thought it would be cool to kind of do a similar format to what we did with the free agency series. We started that off last week with Jalen Brunson. Got some positive feedback from it, obviously. There's some people that don't like Brunson, but that's okay. It's not really a, uh, well, we want this guy or we don't want this guy. It's more of a, let's discuss the pros and cons to adding that player. But I'm excited about talking about these two players because while they're completely different, they both had great college careers. And uh, especially this last season, for both of them, they both played pretty well, Fletch. That they did. And I mean, these, these are guys that can really, you know, light it up. They were players that were, you know, hey, all Americans, but also we're talking about a Big Ten player of the year and a Pac-12 player of the year. So there is a lot of great stuff, you know, great seasons that happen for these two players. You know, a lot of similarities, but, you know, we're, we're going to see because some might have, you know, better strengths than others. But I think it's going to be a fun debate between the two of them. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. First, we'll start off here with Johnny Davis. Like you said, Fachi. Big Ten Player of the Year and a consensus All-American after averaging 19.7 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, and 2.1 assists per game in 34 minutes per game. He's six foot five, 196 pounds. Let's look over at Benedict Matherin now. He was the Pac-12 Player of the Year and a consensus second team All-American, averaging 17.7 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 33 minutes per game. He is six foot seven, 195 pounds. So Pretty similar in terms of uh, in terms of weight. Matherin a little bit taller than Davis by two inches. I think rebound and point wise, Davis had the edge here. But you know, I think that they play a totally different style of games. And I think that Wisconsin desperately needed Davis more <laughs> than than Arizona needed Matherin based off of overall talent. 
I'd say desperately could even be an understatement. Johnny <laughs> Davis was that team. Yeah. But also, one one similarity or a couple similarities, both sophomores, both right around that same age. You know, like we're talking like freshly 20 years old. So, you know, in that instance, it's not like one guy has a couple of years on the other, but we're both talking about you know, two best players in their conference right over here. So mm-hmm. um, while, you know, some people might like one player better than they like the others, We'll get into that, but the one thing that can't be denied is these two players were really good scorers this year. Yeah, there's just no doubt about it. And, I mean, I've had some people say, why don't you guys like Johnny Davis? I mean, this guy was awesome at Wisconsin. And that he was, and I, I think it's just interesting to try to, like, figure out how a guy will translate from college to the NBA. And you brought up a great point on our Monday podcast talking about our top ten guys where you had Johnny Davis in your group there you basically just said there's a ton of these guys that come out every year in the draft. So, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to be a bust or anything like that, but I feel like there are some interesting things to look at and uh, maybe just projecting forward what you see with him. But I think here would be a good time to look at the regular season stats. I'll start with Johnny Davis and then have you talk about Johnny Davis here a little bit, but um, he started every game this season, Fachi, after not starting one game the previous year. So talk about an increased load Jumped in minutes per games from 24.3 to three, uh, 34.2 per game. Uh, increased the scoring from seven points per game to 19.4. Shot just 30% per, uh, from three. Took six free throws a game, which was third in the Big Ten. Per 100 possessions, had an offensive rating of 105.8 and a defensive rating of 95.8. His usage rate took a massive jump from freshman to sophomore season. 17.9 his freshman season to 32.5 in his sophomore season. So um, he went from basically just being a guy that was on a team to being the guy on the team. So I feel like Johnny Davis, when, you know, called upon, he really met the challenge for this Wisconsin Badger team. He really did. And when you want to talk about a leap from a freshman to a sophomore, Johnny Davis is like one of the, the poster childs for that is this man took a massive leap. I don't know what mock boards or anything that he could have been on as a freshman. I don't think he was really on any radar. So Kudos to him taking that leap to being the consensus first team All-American that we mentioned. Uh, I also feel like this is someone who maybe didn't get enough credit as a rebounder, averaged over eight rebounds per game. So I think that that was you know pretty impressive being that he's 6'5". Overall, the man's job was to score the basketball and scoring is what he did. It is most definitely what he does best. So Overall, Johnny Davis, someone that, you know, I mentioned, I do feel like we come across them, whether it's a Johnny Davis or a Alani Mavis, they feel the same to me. They're coming around each year, but I don't want to diminish his accomplishments because Johnny Davis had a really good year this year. And I, I think that some team will be getting a good player. The rest kind of comes down to value. Mm, and that's, that's a good point. I mean, where do you take him at? I, I think he's a guy that I wouldn't overreach on. Would not. But if the team fell in the draft, then, um, you know, I think that um, I would be okay if he was there and that was potentially one of their picks. Like, I think the lowest I can fall is to nine. If they're like, okay, Johnny Davis at nine, like, not in love with it, but it's not a, it's not a bad idea. We'll get into the, the draft range a little bit later here. But um, I want to move over now to Benedict Matherin here. Uh, some people call him Ben, but I, I heard on a podcast that he prefers Benedict. So we'll just do that. That's his real name, Benedict Matherin. He started in all 37 games this season for Arizona. Um, unfortunately, his three-point percentage dipped from the previous year, but he shot about twice as many attempts per game. So last year, he shot 41.8%. This year, he shot 369 In both seasons, he shot 52.1%. Um, only average 1.8 fouls per game, which I thought was really impressive for how athletic he is, not really getting foul trouble. Um, per 100 possessions, had an offensive rating of 119.7 and a net rating of 96.8. He was third in effective field goal percentage in the Pac-12, second in defensive win shares in the Pac-12. Um, the, all these stats are from the Pac-12, just so you guys know. Second in free throw attempts, second in points per game, second in minutes per games, uh, first in box plus minus, and first in win shares. So uh, advanced stats really points to, hey, he was impactful on both sides of the basketball. They really do. I, I really feel that he's a bit more of a well-rounded player than, than Johnny Davis is. Benedict Matherin was a major reason why Arizona was a one seed in the tournament and overall was one of the top teams this year. Well, it felt like Wisconsin, while they were a good team, it felt like they were, you know, 
pretty much exactly on the backs of Johnny Davis, like we talked about. So I felt like Benedict Matherin is someone who, while he did take that leap that you mentioned from a freshman to sophomore, you know, when you're talking about the three point percentage, taking a dip, still finished the season at 37%, which no one's ever going to complain about. I see when I look at Benedict Matherin, I see more of an NBA player right over there that can be more than just a role player. So Mm -hmm. I, I do feel that his game translates well to the next level. And, you know, he's got he's got the games to back it up. I mean, there's, there's a lot of games where he was scoring 25, 30, but also just kind of feels like as a defender, he could continue to develop and grow. And, and I feel like that's something that, you know, I, I feel pretty good about. But overall, just Benedict Matherin to me, maybe it was more of a, you know, maybe it was that flashy dunk in March Madness. Maybe it was just kind of flashing a bit more athleticism. But I saw also just... I love that six, seven height that he has at the two guard position. I feel like that's going to be something that's going to come in handy. Yeah. I think one of the things that will help Benedict is that six foot seven height, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, because it'll allow him to play a little bit more of the two and the three, if they were to go that route, obviously I think it's not a huge deal because Duarte can play the two or the three as well. And we know Duarte is a sniper from outside. So, um, I just I love the way Benedict Matherin can be aggressive on both sides of the basketball and just has a little bit more upside to me. But I want to get into the strengths now of each player, Fachi. Um, I'll let you go first here with Johnny Davis. Yeah, for Johnny Davis, I mean, this is someone who flat out likes the ball in his hand. He's confident and he's going to score. This is someone when when I talk about the green light. Oh, I mean, this guy was averaging 16 shots per game. So I, I feel like at, at that, you know, he's confident and, and he can carry the scoring load. That's what he did, you know, in college on the next level. You know, hey, we'll, we'll see what his role is. But it always strikes me as it's going to be as a score. Rebounding wise, like I mentioned before, I do feel like he needs to get a little bit more credit there. The man was averaging over eight rebounds per game, which is fantastic for anyone, let alone a two guard. So. I don't I don't want to call him, you know, a good defender, but I feel like he's a capable defender by yeah. all means because, you know, when you look at it, average 0.7 blocks per game, averaged over a steal per game. All of that you got to love in addition to the scoring that he's already bringing to the table. So, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but getting to the free throw line, that's mm-hmm. something that not everybody can do. You can be a good scorer, and not get to the free throw line. Johnny Davis got to the free throw line just over six attempts per game. I love that. Yeah, no, here's what I'll say about Johnny Davis. This guy is a mid-range sniper, Fachi. Um, just took the Big Ten by storm, made tough shot after tough shot. Um, terrific passer, really. I mean, for everything he was asked to do, the offense just zoning in on him. So he was a good passer who can play the lead ball handler at times. I wouldn't want him in the NBA playing lead ball all the time because I feel like, there's so much more talent in the NBA that would be able to, you know, eliminate what he can do, but he has great footwork. And one of the things that's just interesting about him is he likes to play in the post. Not very often do you see a lot of guards kind of put their back to the basket and get down there in the post, but he has um, uh, just a knack for that. And I think one of the things with him too, being that mid range guy, we don't really see that a lot. I think CJ McCollum and Chris Paul are probably the two most popular guys right now in today's league with the mid range. Um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, DeRozan's another guy, but I, Davis isn't as tall as um, as DeRozan, but it's funny because Paul and McCollum are both a little bit undersized compared to the height of Johnny Davis, so that's interesting as well, but I, I have no problem with uh, with guys wanting to play in the mid-range, but I don't know if Carlisle likes it, so that's something to keep an eye on, but um, another thing too, uh, he did a great job of attacking uh, on, on defenses at switch, and I think in the, in the Big Ten a lot of times they do play man, but they also play zone in college in the NBA. It's about, you know, matchup hunting, right? When it comes to the NBA, a lot of times, I think he'll be really good at that, being able to attack on those switching defenses. But, you know, the best thing about him is he plays with heart on both sides of the basketball. Like we talked about his offensive load, like his usage rate went from 17.9 to 32.5 his sophomore season. The fact that he was that involved offensively, but he still brought it on the defensive end makes you like him a lot more because it tells you, hey, this guy isn't just focused on one side of the basketball. He's willing to do it and lay it all out on both sides of the basketball. Absolutely. I mean, Johnny Davis, there, there is a lot of stuff that, that you, you can like over there. Knowing that there is a foundation of defense there, I think is extremely important. So 
overall, you know, he was someone that I talked about, took a huge leap this year. I was curious to see if this is someone where, hey, we're going to be honest, if he stayed in college one more year, he'd probably be averaging an absurd amount of points, like a ridiculous amount, probably lead the nation in scoring. But that usage rate, I mean, I would be curious to find who has a higher usage rate in this draft outside of being like a point guard, because that 32.5% usage rate is extremely high. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And I, and I will say this too, Fachi. I, I think from my perspective anyway, being an IU basketball fan, I definitely watch much more of East Coast basketball, much more of the Big Ten than I would the Pac-12 because a lot of times those games are starting super Agreed. late at night and you're on the East Coast too in, in, in Washington, D.C. areas. So we're going to bed early. We're not staying up for these games. So our biggest you know, introduction to these guys was the Pac-12 tournament potentially or – the NCAA tournament, especially for a guy like Matherin. So I would say that I've gotten more uh, of a feel of who Johnny Davis is as a player because I've watched him in multiple games. So I think that, you know, there could be some bias towards what I saw from him versus what I saw against uh, saw from Matherin. But um, I, I do think that Johnny Davis is a really good player, but I want to talk about the strengths of Ben Matherin. So can you talk to me about that? Absolutely. Let's start at being 6'7", six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven right there as a two guard, you know, that that puts you in a favorable position. The fact that, you know, he's already a good scorer, averaging 17.7 points per game, uh, I feel like it helps. However, all metrics point to him being an elite scorer on the next level. So sometimes you could see a guy that could average 20 points per game be a little bit blinded. Well, I felt like this is someone who is going to be able to translate to the next level. His rebounding might not be as good as Johnny Davis, but he still averaged a healthy 5.6 rebounds per game. Two and a half assists shows that he can be more than just a scorer. He can be a playmaker. So I, I feel like that should translate on the next level to being able to average, you know, maybe it's three assists or so. Maybe you're keeping consistent at two and a half, but you're doing more than just scoring. Overall, Benedict Matherin, I feel like is, is someone who, you know, is athletic that's going to be able to, you know, be able to hold his own on the next level. And I'm just really excited for to see where he goes. I do think that he's going to be someone whose stock continues to rise a little bit as time goes on. You know, just like you said, you know, being in the Pac-12, I mean, he was someone that I brought up a couple of times from here and there, but it was more from a highlights perspective. However, one thing that I noticed is, you know, he, he got better at getting to the free throw line as the season went on. His last few games, 15 attempts from the free throw line against UCLA, 13 attempts against TCU. I mean, those are those are some big numbers in terms of being able to get to the line. Really love that about him. Yeah, no, I mean, when I watch him play, I mean, this dude is an athlete. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think we've all kind of talked ourselves into Jaden Ivey being the most athletic guard in this draft, but I would say Benedict Matherin's not too far away from him. So, you know, I, I just view him as an elite athlete. And one of those things that I love about him is that is, he's just a leader. And if you watch what he did at Arizona, he was a leader of a great team. Arizona was awesome this year, especially after going through a coaching change, right? You know, get rid of Sean Miller, uh, Archie Miller's brother. They both hate IU, so it's great to just, uh, you know, throw their names out there. They both got jobs, I think. And uh, this, this, coming, uh, this coming season, they both are now back in college basketball coaching. But, you know, I, I think it's funny that you go from – you know, great coach in Sean Miller that everybody respected to bringing in an assistant from Gonzaga and, you know, didn't skip a beat. So that was really cool to me. And I, I got this quote from Kevin O'Connor because when you're looking at these kind of guys, I want to make sure I give credit to whoever says it about them before I take credit for it. So per Kevin O'Connor, he said he's a dynamic weapon who can shoot off movement or attack straight off the catch, um, explosive dunker, but also a good three-point shooter. He has length and quickness, which provides massive potential to his defensive upside. So all of that, Fachi, just screams to me, he's got the tools. Now he just needs to hone the craft. And I think that could be what helps him as a player elevate from just, you know, a good player, maybe a bench player to an everyday starter, potentially a key piece of a team. Exactly. You know, I, I do feel like there's still – room to grow in his game the other episode when we talked about how it looked like Keegan Murray had put it all together in college I do feel like there's a next level for Benedict Matherin where with Johnny Davis I start to feel like you know what like 
maybe this is as much of a responsibility as he's really going to have, or maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see. But I definitely am intrigued by the upside of Benedict Matherin, you know, at this moment, he, he feels like not to say a flavor of the week type of thing, but someone who's been growing on me lately. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break. Fatch, and when we come back, we will talk about the weaknesses to each of these players. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Vachi, talk to me about the weaknesses you see with Johnny Davis's game. Well, I just don't know when you're going to be able to get a usage rate as high as 32 and a half. I, I do feel like that is an absurd usage rate for a non-point guard. I mean, this, we talked about it, this team went as far as he was able to physically drag them. So I worry that he's also, will he be an efficient scorer? Because you know, if you're talking about overall, you know, the man average, you know, just under 20 points per game, but do you feel good about it being below 43% shooting? I don't. Then when, yeah. when you talk about his three-point percentage, 30% from three, I'm sorry, that's not going to get anyone excited. So right over here, it's it's just, it's just flat out. I find it hard for you to shoot 30% from college and then the next year, increase that on the pros unless you're taking you know 25 percent of the attempts so yeah. I, I feel like that's something that scares me a little bit now we talked about you know him scoring is there a level of your game such as a playmaking that you can bring on the next side because you're talking about a guy that had such a use streak that high only averaged you know 2.1 assists well for clarity he averaged more turnovers than assists that's never good for anybody so uh, on the next level, when you're not the guy, what else can you bring to the table? No, that's good. And, you know, one of the things that I'll say here about Johnny Davis is, you know, he lives in the mid-range. <laughs> you talked about it, only shoots 30% from three. With his style of play, I worry about how that translates into the Pacers' offense. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember it, but Chris Duarte referred to the mid-range as jail when he was talking to the media one day because Carlisle does not like the mid-range. So with how we're trying to play with this pace and space, to me personally, Fachi, it just screams, is Johnny Davis a really good fit here based on what his strengths are to what the Pacers want to do? It's a little bit different than what they have, but I just don't love it. I mean, T.G. McConnell was a guy that really thrived in the mid-range last uh, two years ago under Nate Bjorkren. Um he did shoot some threes, but they were not pretty. They still haven't been pretty since he's played this year. And, he, and even when he came back, it still looked a little rough. But his shot's going in at a decent percentage. I mean, not great, but to me, it's like we know that the mid-range shot is something they love. So um, I think the other thing, too, to bring up in terms of athleticism, Fotch, Johnny Davis is not a great athlete. So no. that hurts his chance, his chances at finishing around the rim. So um I feel like, you know, in college, it's probably tough to score in the paint because of the zones and the different matchups and stuff like that. But in the NBA, when you have big old guys out there like a Joel Embiid or a Bam Adebayo or a Miles Turner protecting the rim, it's going to be hard to, to score over those kind of guys. So you need that athleticism to get into the body. Um, I think he's more crafty than he is athletic. And so that's why I just feel like overall, I don't know how he meshes with this Pacers team. I got a question for you. Yeah. Who has a better career, Johnny Davis or Chris Duarte? Mm, that's tough. I mean, that Davis is, is Davis is younger. 
So About five years younger. So that yeah. definitely <laughs> works in his favor. I mean, Duarte looked pretty good last year, though. That's what when I'm he was saying. healthy. I, I'd probably I, lean Duarte just because of the size and the shooting ability. But, you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, until I see Johnny Davis in the NBA, what do I know? I mean, people last year thought James Booknight was going to go seventh overall. He fell to 11th and he got drafted before Chris Duarte. Look at their two rookie seasons. Duarte completely outplayed him. Booknight can even get off the bench and Charlotte. So for me, I'm going to stick with Duarte just because I feel like defensively he's a better defender, can shoot the ball from the outside, might not be able to like really put the ball on the floor. But, you know, that's a good question. I, I would rather have Duarte than Johnny Davis, though. I'd rather have Duarte. If, I, if I'm Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, and people are knocking on the door saying, what about Johnny Davis? Saying, Johnny Davis, we got Chris Duarte at home right now. You know, we, we, are, we don't need that, you know? And I feel like at this point, yes, Johnny Davis is younger. But Duarte, I believe, is going to be a better defender and definitely a better three-point shooter. Yeah. So it, it's just like, hey, you know what? In this situation – we already got Chris Duarte over there. So it's just like a player like that. I, you try and feel like, hmm, like where can Johnny Davis fit in like that? And, and I just feel like Chris Duarte made it on, on both sides of the ball in college. And that I really liked. But, you know, just, just to, you know, <laughs> given, given the, the similarity in position, I was curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, who would maybe have more upside or just a better career in general. So, yeah, I, le- I lean with you with Duarte. Yeah, and, I, and I'll speak of a guy that I think could have a better career than Chris Duarte. That's Benedict Matherin. Um, I want to talk about his weaknesses here real quick. I, I still think he's raw in terms of finishing around the rim, especially over longer defenders and through contact. Um, if you go back and watch some of the game film, it's just like, you know, there's some times where he just isn't able to, you know, he's not a polished finisher, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So he's got to work on that. Won't be a lead ball handler type of player. I think he's too turnover prone. He's going to have to work on that. I think Oladipo kind of had some of the same issues coming out of college, and he worked on it. I think he became a point guard for a little bit with Orlando. Don't see that with Matherin. I think he's going to really, uh, need to rely on other playmaking guards. So that's one thing that, you know, having Halliburton, he won't have to worry about that. He can just play off ball next to Halliburton. And I think, you know, with him being able to attack the rim, <laughs> if defense is a collapse, then he can kick out. But it's not like he's initiating offense. So offensively, that's where I'm at. Defensively, uh, I've talked about his upside. I love it. And there's been times where his defense has impacted a game, but the problem is he kind of sleeps on defense sometimes too, gets a little bit of a mental lapse. And I think that's just part of like carrying the load offensively, you know, playing in the pack 12, very fast paced game. You know, it's a lot to lock into and we know 82 game seasons are going to be tough in the NBA, but he's going to have to really, I think if he can prove that he can play defense in the NBA, it's really going to help him grow offensively. So he's got to work on that keep developing those defensive fundamentals, but the mental lapses, you're going to have to work on that and just be more disciplined. Yeah, I mean, you touched on the Pac-12. In my opinion, the Pac-12 competition hasn't been necessarily the best. Look, you got two teams in UCLA and USC that also finished in the top 25 outside of Arizona. But other than that, I mean, there, there's a bunch of teams that are really kind of, not to say in the dumpsters, but I felt like the competition out of the, you know, the main, you know, power five conferences, I felt like the Pac-12 was a little bit on the weaker side. So against Houston, that, that seemed, you know, very evident, one of the best defensive teams. Uh, you know, I felt like for Benedict Matherin, that was a test I would have loved to see him rise to the occasion a bit more. 4-14 in that game. Don't want to judge a player just by one game, but Houston was one of the best defensive teams in the nation. So you yeah. want to see if you're an NBA prospect, how do you go against, you know, the best competition in college? So uh, that's something I would have loved to have seen a little bit more because that was a game where I was 100% watching the full thing, looking to see what he's capable of. And I didn't leave impressed by any means. When mm-hmm. you talk about growing defensively, I want to see – can you grow as more than just a score? Just like you mentioned, the defensive capabilities, the groundwork is there. Can you continue to develop? Because early on, you know, you're going to be going to a team that, you know, depending on where you get drafted, you might have to fit into a certain role. If you can't be one of their go-to options offensively, you got to try and find a way elsewhere. As it relates to, you know, also playmaking capabilities, well, I mentioned that there, there's flashes. He had a game where he had seven assists, a bunch where he had, you know, five or more, but you know, I, I don't think he's going to be asked to really do much of that, but I just want to feel that you can bring more to the table than just scoring on the next level. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the pros and cons of why you would or would not like the Pacers to draft them, um, let's just jump real quick to the draft range that you have both these players in. So um, for me, I have Johnny Davis anywhere from 8 to 14 range. That's where I think he'll fall. 
Um, the Pacers could be picking eight or nine. So like, I wouldn't be like totally surprised if they took Johnny Davis, but don't necessarily know if I think he fits here. But for Matherin, for me, I have it five to 10. That's where I have my range up for Matherin. What do you have, Fletch? So for Matherin, I have him at six to 10. A little bit of a difference. I don't see him climbing in that top five. Maybe if he has some really good workouts, anything's possible. You know, you got Portland right now at six. You don't really know what they're going to do. They, they, they After trading CJ McCollum, you know, you have an opportunity over there to draft a two guard. You have the Kings. You never want to put anything past them. Yeah, I, I know that the Pelicans got, you know, CJ McCollum, but, you know, you never know. Um, so I, I feel like I see him in that six to 10 range. I don't see him going past 10, but I don't even know if he'll even be there at 10. You know, this yeah. could be someone that maybe is six to nine. Then as, as it relates to, uh, Johnny Davis, I see him, you know, I know you mentioned that eight to 14 range, probably where I see him. I, I could see it maybe being a little bit less than that. Maybe I'm just a little bit lower. Maybe he's like in that, you know, yeah, I guess nine to 14 or, you know, give or take. I, I, I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with where you have him being taken. Uh, I know San Antonio, they, they've drafted a few guards in the past year. There are Lonnie Walkers and, and you know, Joshua Primo and, and a few other guys that, I don't know how many guards they're going to continue to take. Yeah, they need a big. <laughs> exactly. Tankathon has them taking Johnny Davis at nine, and I just can't really agree with that. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm right over there. I, I, I'm with you in the range that you got. And the best-case scenario, I think, is eight. Anything above that, in my opinion, is a solid reach. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. If he goes top five, like NBA draft, oh, that net has him. That can't uh, happen. <laughs> no, it can't. So uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll finish this thing up. And we will hit on why uh, the pros and cons, why we like them for the Pacers. And then we'll talk about maybe some cool stories, some of their background, and just kind of give you an overall thought on both players as we wrap it up. But let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to talk about our pros and cons to why we would or would not like the Pacers to draft them. So do you want me to start, Fatsha, or do you want to start? Yeah, you start this one. All right, so this is what I put. I typed this out, so I'm going to read what I typed. So if I sound like I'm reading something, it's because I'm reading something. I just said, I think Matherin brings the higher upside with his explosiveness and defensive potential. Uh, Davis is a bucket, but I feel like a style of play doesn't coexist with, with what the Pacers are trying to build. Davis, to me, feels like a player that might be a starter, but can see him thriving more on a bench role. While I see Matherin as more of a starter-level player who can elevate to a second or third option, like I've said in this podcast, I see shades of a young Oladipo with Matherin. And when it comes to Davis, I see more of a Sean Livingston type of career. And you guys can just look at both of those players and understand the difference in athleticism between the both of them. Sean Livingston was a guy that, you know, that knee injury really derailed his career, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, he was never like a high flyer, but he was a smart player. A little bit big for a point guard, but could really shoot the ball well and, and grew into a solid bench uh, bench role with the Warriors that won a couple championships where Oladipo was the guy that was relied upon to kind of be the, the savior to a certain extent of the Orlando Magic at one point. Um, and then when he went to the Pacers, he was kind of in that same boat too. So I think that with Matherin, that's kind of what I'm projecting is a, a, a similar a similar career to Oladipo and um, we would love to see him maybe just play things out a little bit differently in Indiana. <laughs> hey, being the savior Orlando of the Orlando Magic is something that nobody wants to take on. If people have skipped town for that, your Shaqs, your Dwights, you know, it, it's not a spot you want to be in. But, uh, you know, when you mentioned your know, player comparisons over there, one thing for Johnny Davis before I get into that is that I, I, saw, I looked up Johnny Davis comparisons and two names came up and neither of them thrilled me. One was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and two was Josh Hart. Now, look, player comparisons can be all over the place. While I have a soft spot for Josh Hart, that's not who I want to pick in the top 10. Josh Hart was not looked at as a top 10 pick. So right over there, it kind of shows that this man's almost maybe bumping his head on the ceiling a little bit, that the ceiling is just not high enough for Johnny Davis. So I feel like the Pacers would be bringing in another scorer, but they have to look at something where you're bringing in a the Pacers need help on the defensive end of things. They need someone that can be a capable defender while also being athletic enough or, you know, explosive enough, being able to you know, contribute on the offensive end. And I see Benedict Matherin as having that higher ceiling right now where he can really kind of go out and develop over the next few years where Johnny Davis, just like you mentioned, I'm with you. I see him 
as more of that, you know, that kind of a role player. I, I really do. So yeah. as it relates to, you know, maybe going into Benedict Matherin, a couple of uh, player comps that I saw, like I'm, like I said, I always take this with a grain of salt. They had Buddy Heald <laughs> and your original man crush, Terrence Ross. Now, mm. look, Terrence Ross, not the player that you're hoping for when you're, when you're talking top 10, but Benedict Matherin, good three-point shooter who, you know, can, can develop into more. Buddy Heald, you know, maybe hasn't had the career that people hoped. They knew he was like a, you know, national player of the year in college. But I feel like athletically, you know, maybe he could be closer to Terrence Ross, but from a perimeter score more in line with Buddy Heald. Either way, I feel like this is someone who is going to, you know, be valuable to every team with a, with a potential to grow into that second option that you mentioned. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know if I like those comparisons for I, him. I don't like it inside the top 10, but man, the bar set low with Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Josh Hart for Johnny Davis. Yeah, I mean, KCP to me is a guy that was a starter on a championship team because he could do one thing really well, and that was defend, and he could shoot the three ball. So, you know, if, yeah. if that's not what Davis does. So I don't really I, see I, that I comparison. I completely agree with that. One uh, thing, though, that is a little bit scary is I believe Contavious Caldwell-Pope was also a top 10 pick. Yeah, he was um, number eight to the Detroit Pistons when yeah. he was drafted. Forget the year, but I know he was drafted eight because I was like, wow, okay. Um, you know, he's had a good career, not a great one. So interesting, though. I uh, I don't know if I like the Buddy Heel comparison. I, I, though. I, I, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. But it's just, like, like I said, these player comps, they're, they're very all over the place. But you <laughs> want to read one of a player that can develop into someone. When, when you read it and you see, like, call up hope, it's like, why would I want to take this guy in the top ten? Exactly. Yeah, no, it's – um. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think there's more upside than KCP with I, I, I Johnny agree. Davis, right? So, uh, but anyway, it's it's all it's all just like shades of I've seen that before, yeah, like yeah. Kevin O'Connor stuff. So it's like you know there might be parts of his game that fit this mold, but it's just like it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what college player is going to be like what NBA player when you've never seen them play in the NBA. It's all just a guessing game. And, um, you know, I think there's some college players that have great college careers that just don't pan out in the NBA. So of course. maybe maybe that's some of what the comparison is to, like how that pro played in college, you know, which I would have to go back and do a lot of research on how Buddy Heald played in college, if I'm, you know, thinking about it out loud. Like, I know he played at Oklahoma, but I really can't remember much of it. It's all kind he, of a blur. He was a dominant scorer, but I'm also looking at this right now. It's a little bit scary. In college, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a sophomore, averaged 18.5 points per game, actually shot 37% from three. He's been a good three-point shooter in the NBA. Shot 43% from the field. That's actually better than Johnny Davis. And he averaged seven rebounds per game. While Johnny Davis averaged eight. That's now, probably look, what I, they're doing. Looking I'm, at the rebound. If, if you go by <laughs> if you go by that, then yeah, for sure. But Contavious Caldwell Pope, a much better defender. I am not, I want to be on the record. I am not saying Johnny Davis is Contavious Caldwell Pope, but when you're kind of looking at kind of similar stats, it, it, it becomes a little bit scary. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's move on here, Fach. We got two more categories left. Um one of the ones that I'm most interested in is looking at interesting quotes on the players discussed or maybe an interesting story. Did you have anything that you found online that was interesting on Johnny Davis? No, I know that you had a couple of quotes. So I, I thought those were uh, those were definitely worth sharing. Okay, so this is from a Jeremy. Jeremy Wu wrote this article on Johnny Davis for Sports Illustrated. Um, I'm just going to read this real quick. So it said, the Red Raiders won a lot and Johnny finished as the school's all-time leading scorer with 2,158 career points, but the hype never arrived. That bothered all of us to know in Mark Davis says Mark Davis is Johnny's father. Uh, Johnny graduated as the 164th best recruit in his class, according to the 24-7 sports composite. He was not a self-promoter. He never went to an event like, let me showcase, my, showcase myself. He just wanted to win. So then Johnny Davis's father, Mark Davis, uh, said this on Johnny Davis declaring for the NBA. He said, what else does he have to prove in college? Um, he wanted to prove to everybody he's one of the best college players in America. He's done that. He wanted to show people that he can perform at a high level at Wisconsin University, which no one thought was possible. He did that. He wanted to show people that he plays both ends of the floor at a high level. He's done that. There's nothing else for him to prove in college basketball, and it's time for him to go on and play against the best. So what stood out to me there, everybody? Talking about his high school team, the Red Raiders, you know, all-time leading scorer with 2,100 points. 
thought he was the 164th best recruit in his class, was not a self-promoter. To me, that is a guy that does not care about attention. And I think that's something the Pacers could value. If you're looking at something like, hey, we're in a small market. This kid doesn't care. He just wants to play basketball every day. So that's why I like this quote and why I pulled this out because it said, let me showcase uh, uh, myself. He didn't want to showcase himself. He just wanted to win. So I don't know if that stood out to you, Fachi, but I thought that was pretty impressive. No, definitely. I mean, it's, I always love when players, you know, are not heavily recruited and rise to the top because it talks about their work ethic. It talks about how many players they worked harder than that were ranked so much higher. 164th best recruit. Two years later, consensus All-American. I mean, that is really proving people wrong. So also, you know, Johnny Davis, you talk about not being recruited. I mean, he, he's from Wisconsin. So, yeah. you know, clearly if, it, if Wisconsin, if he wasn't in Wisconsin's backyard, who knows where he ends up. But regardless, he made the most of the opportunity. And you got to hope that that's what he would do on the next level. Absolutely. And then did you have anything on Benedict Mathurin or do you want me to just share my story here that I had? Yeah, share yours. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys read this or not earlier in the year, but Seth Davis, um, obviously a college uh, basketball analyst, wrote this incredible article for The Athletic about Benedict Matherin and talking about the hardships that he had in life. Um, he lost his brother in a tragic accident in 2014. His sister uh, moved to Finland to play pro sports, and he was brought up in a fatherless home. Um, and he was raised by his sister, Jennifer. Jen is what he called her. And she's the one that moved to Finland. So when Jen went to college, uh, Benedict ended up moving in with uh, Coach Metalis, who Jen had lived with prior. To, um, this whole situation is interesting. I had to kind of like paraphrase everything down here. So I, I really encourage you guys pretty much just to go read this article on The Athletic if you pay for that subscription. But, you know, Jen was a basketball player. Uh, Coach Metalis brought her in. She, they lived in a very different home. Um, ben lived with his brother and his mother at the time, but, you know, there were some issues there. I don't know everything about his mom and that whole situation, but I do know that Jen was the one that looked out for Ben and his brother who had passed away. So um, eventually when Jen went to college, she got a, she got a scholarship at North Carolina State. Ben um, moved in with Coach Metalist to try to get his life together because he was going through some rough spots. During that time, he hated the structure of living in a home with coach medalist and he broke curfew didn't listen to the rules and so eventually coach medalist kicked him out and um it convinced it came came back to jen convincing benedict uh, jen is obviously benedict's sister to move back in because she wanted him to get his life back on track and so i'm telling you all this because this time he's only 16 years old okay uh medalist was a basketball coach for a private school and when Matherin was there, uh, he was bored out of his mind and not challenged. He was arrogant, and the private school he was playing for didn't challenge him. So Medalist and Ben agreed to send him to the NBA Academy at Mexico uh, in Mexico City with Herman Olea from Quebec. So he's in Canada, and now he's moving all the way to Mexico City at 16 years old. I think this is just a fascinating story, everybody. Um, so the NBA Academy exposed Matherin to a much higher level of play for the first time in his life. Matherin couldn't just rely on his athleticism. He had to learn how to work harder. The thing that really separates Matherin is his mentality when he competes, Alea says. You can put the best player in front of him and he will have no fear. He always wants that challenge. Over time, Matherin got stronger, better, more confident, and most important, more trusting. He became a dependable teammate and vocal leader. He was also starting to get noticed by Division I colleges. The interest ticked up in February 2020 when he shined at Basketball Without Borders, an international showcase hosted by the NBA during All-Star Weekend. Baylor recruited Matherin early and hard, and he almost committed during a visit to Waco. Medalist, however, encouraged Ben to see at least one other school before making such a pivotal decision. Obviously, he ended up going to Arizona. But to me, Fachi, the hardships that he's faced in life, the stuff that he had to overcome, the fact that he had to get humble in high school, go to the NBA Academy in Mexico City to get his basketball career back on track says everything to me about what he's been through. I love stories like this. I think Seth Davis did a great job. There's so much more details than what I'm sharing right now. I'm paraphrasing a lot. But with that being said, I just absolutely love how he grew as a dependable teammate and a vocal leader and you know, it, it really helped him become a better overall player. 
Definitely overcame quite a bit of hardships over there. You know, it definitely, uh, you know, takes, takes you, you know, a look into, you know, the, the human being, not just the basketball player. So always nice to know someone's backstory. You know, I'll definitely be rooting for him even more. So, you know, hey, kudos to Benedict Matherin for really being able to get himself out of a hard situation, being able to prosper at the highest level at Arizona and then be able to go even higher to the NBA. So definitely someone I'll be rooting for. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was really cool that his like sister Jen um, played such a big role in his life, almost like a mother figure to him. And I'm sure you're going to hear the story on draft day, much more detail, probably. I'm sure Seth Davis will probably be a part of that somewhat. So um, I think you guys really all send, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast for you guys to go check it out, but really, really impactful story that just gives you a little bit more of a background of who Benedict Matherin is. And it kind of made me fall more in love with him, Fachi just because I know he's had to go through a lot of hardships and it makes you think like, okay, if he's had to experience all this already, how will that translate to when he goes to the NBA? I don't think it's going to be a problem for him whatsoever. I love the fact that he talked about he was fearless and didn't mind going against the other team's best player. That's me as the kind of guy I want, you know, I want somebody that's got a little bit of edge to him, cockiness and ready to prove people, Hey, I'm better than them. Oh, you and I have been, we've been banging our fists saying this Pacers team needs edge. They really do. You want someone who can take on that challenge, not run from it. We see too many people in the NBA running from challenges, wanting to, you know, request trades or not guard the best player that, hey, even if someone maybe could be a bit overmatched, the fact that they want that challenge says so much about them. And that's how a player really grows. Absolutely, Fachi. So I feel like I've been rambling quite a bit by sharing these stories. So Give me your overall thoughts on both prospects. Overall thoughts, hey, you know, they could both score the ball, but when you're looking for, you know, who can be better a few years from now, to me, I, I find it hard to believe that that guy wouldn't be Benedict Matherin. I really feel like he's got the higher ceiling over here. Maybe it's the six seven height, you know, compared to six five, but overall, you know, all advanced metrics that I, that I've looked at all point to Benedict Matherin on the next level being the better pro. He's a more efficient scorer. He's a better three-point shooter. I mean, he's got the the true shooting percentages, whatever it is that you want to go by. I mean, if you don't really believe in in advanced metrics or anything like that, just I just feel like he looks more explosive, looks more athletic, looks like someone that can be – somebody like that grow into more than just, Hey, yeah, he's a starter. It looks like this is someone who could be an upper echelon starter. I'm not going to quite say an all-star, but I don't want to limit him. Johnny Davis. I, I, I wonder if maybe this is someone who already was in the best possible situation for him, where if he's not going to be featured like this, what is he really bringing to the table? If he already wasn't as efficient as you want. So Feels like guys like Johnny Davis are are really good college players, but in the NBA just kind of carve out a specific role where a guy like Benedict Matherin, I do feel like there's more layers to his game. Absolutely, Fachi. And I don't want to reiterate too, too much because I've talked about why I like both prospects, um, you know, for the Pacers and which one I don't like. So just to kind of go back, if you didn't listen to Monday's episode, but you listen to this one on my Pacer-centric big board, I actually had Benedict Matherin rank number five, did not have Johnny Davis in my top 10. That is just my opinion for what I think the Pacers should go after, what I think fits the Pacers' bill. I think Matherin fits in nicely with Duarte and with Tyrese Halliburton. If he is their guy, if they happen to fall to seven, eight, or nine, this is the guy that I'd really be keying in on, as I don't think um, you're probably going to get that forward that you want unless you kind of take a reach on a guy like Terry Easton, the guy that I love. But at that point, if I'm picking between Easton and Matherin, I don't know if I can convince myself um, that uh, Easton is the guy (laughs) because I I think Matherin might have more potential overall. But I like both a lot. You know that, Fodge. So Mm -hmm. um, that's where I'm at. I just feel like if the Pacers don't get that top four pick that we desperately want them to get, if they fall anywhere from five to seven, maybe potentially eight, if Matherin's on the board, that is the guy that I really, really would like in that five to eight range. Um, it's between him, Keegan Murray, Terry Eason, like all those guys are somewhat enticing to me, but you never know what's going to happen. So um, in terms of Johnny Davis, fine player, just not the guy that I think makes the most sense for the Pacers. But um, I still think he could be a good pro 
and could really dominate in terms of uh, if he's getting if he gets into the right situation, he could have a really good career. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Davis on my big board, I had him at 10. So it just kind of shows that I don't necessarily remember where I had Benedict Matherin, but I want to say that I had him around maybe seven or so. I think you had him seven. Yeah. Yeah, I believe I had him seven, and I feel really good if the Pacers were to fall to seven, that they can make that pick, and I could feel very comfortable with it. Yeah. However, you know, it, I wouldn't want to take him too high. I know you got him at five. You know, hey, I, I respect it. Right over there is where I would be going. Yeah, you know, I like him, but was he the best pick at five? But it just shows that, hey, we're high on this guy. We are. Johnny Davis, I feel like that's someone where he, he could fall. He could. There, there's a chance. I don't want to say a, a free fall by any means, but there are, you know, some other teams that if he fell to and is in that right environment, then it, it could really benefit him. But for, for now, I feel comfortable with him probably being right around that 10 to late lottery range. Absolutely, Fachi. So that wraps up our first episode of the Draft Duels. We hope you guys enjoyed hearing about two different prospects and us kind of going back and forth on them obviously with it being a duel that's why we kind of were comparing the two um we both obviously picked and it, and had advancing Benedict Matherin in this duel here but I, I think as we continue to look at more of these prospects we're going to have more fun with it so Bachi, let people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. That's right. I can, I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Uh-huh. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited for the Pacers to potentially get a top four pick after the draft lottery, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Fachi loves the Wizards.